Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Hunt Fish Eat podcast. Tonight is a two-part episode. The first part, I'm sitting down with my buddy uh, Bruce Borowski of Trophy Ridge Outfitters. We are in Hecla, South Dakota, hunting pheasants. And tonight we talk a little bit about being prepared to hunt in the West and just being prepared to hunt in general. And Bruce has over 40 years of hunting and guiding experience. And so he has quite a wealth of knowledge to share. Uh, he has some cool stories and has done some pretty cool stuff. So I hope you enjoy it and make sure you check out Trophy Ridge Outfitters. Second part of this episode is with my good friends that run the lodge we're staying at, Jake and Shelly Renz. They uh, run Wren's Roost, and they and Jake is a head guide for Hecla Dakota Hunting Farms. They do a fantastic job, and just it's an excellent place to hunt, excellent place to stay, and it's one of my favorite trips I take every year. So I hope you enjoy it and listen in, and um, I hope one day you visit Hecla Dakota Hunting Farms because it's an awesome place to go. Now, I want to mention real quick my sponsors, Walton's Inc. You know, we ate a lot of really good food on this trip, and a lot of it was provided in part by Walton's, you know, because the spices they make and the processing equipment, things like that. So make sure you check out Walton's Inc. Also, Clay Shooting Apparel. I love those guys over there in Pennsylvania. If you like to shoot targets and enjoy funny stuff, make sure you check out their hats, shirts. They even have net gators, all sorts of cool stuff. So ClayShootingApparel.com. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode and listen in. Welcome to this episode of the Hunt, Fish, Eat podcast. I'm here with my buddy Bruce. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's good, good to finally sit down with you. So I've known Bruce for a little bit. And um, where, where are we, Bruce? Uh, we're in South Dakota. We are in South Dakota. Up in the Hecla. Right, I'm going to chase yep. some pheasants. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. So we got out there and chased one or two birds today. Yep. Uh, yep. Just kind of knocked the rust off a little bit, and that was a good time. But um, yeah, we got a group of guys and gals here. Um, we're going to go yep. tear it up for the next three days. So. Exactly. Looking forward to it. My first opportunity to come up to South Dakota. So Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. First time. I hear a lot about it, and uh, it's quite the destination to come and chase some birds around. So Yeah, man. So, you know, I, I was telling you earlier, yeah, this is my fifth trip up here, and every year we limit out you know, within a couple hours. So um, I love South Dakota. I, you know, I'm, I'm Kansas resident. Um, sure, I, I hunt yeah. birds out there too, but it's, uh, you know, what, what I tell guys is like, if you want the classic pheasant hunt, if you want the, you got to go to South Dakota, man. Yeah. You know, just they have the right habitat, especially here at Heckler Dakota Hunting Farms. Um, you know, Jake and Lynn do a really, really good job of getting the habitat right, you know, and it just holds birds. Holds yeah. Birds, so. I'm super excited. I've been out on the Eastern Plains of Colorado chasing birds around mm-hmm. and, uh, but nothing like this experience. So I'm looking forward to it and a great group of people up here and, uh, and yourself so it's yeah man. looking forward to a great time good I'm food a, and uh good friends dude i'm excited you know we ate speaking of good food man you know we got brandon hayden my buddy here cooking oh yeah great dude, job you brought some walleye yep yeah brought, brought some, some walleye, walleye up, up from colorado mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we had some fish tacos tonight oh, like awesome. homemade tortillas dude, oh, it was like corn salsa um guacamole i, I can't remember what else but it was just phenomenal i, know. Yeah. I was like I was, st- I mean, I like to cook a little bit. I was stunned how good that was, oh, man. Yeah. Brandon was just, did a phenomenal job. So yeah, he's very talented. Luckily, he promised to come back next year. Oh, so that's awesome. I'm roping him <laughs> in. Um, you know, and he's going to help us cook for the rest of this week. But oh, that's great. Um, dude, he, he's a champ, and I'm really, really excited. So, we may eat some pheasant later this week, too. I, I hope so. And he yeah. brought some elk steaks, man. Yep, I did bring some elk steaks. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you're a good guy to bring along on a trip, Bruce. <laughs> I'm telling you <laughs> what, right, man. Bring a walleye and elk. And, yeah. Yeah. I'll bring you anywhere. <laughs> All right. That sounds good to me. Bring Halloween bit next time that's right so now you don't just come and hunt pheasants with me um what do you do for a living bruce or tell me about yourself 
So a little bit about me. So I'm a regional director for the National Wild Turkey Federation. I cover Colorado and the state of Nebraska. I'm also a licensed outfitter uh, in the state of Colorado for big game, mule deer, and uh, specialize in trophy elk. Gotcha. Okay. And um, so you're working on your real estate license too? Yeah. Yeah. Working on a real estate license, uh, looking at getting into uh, uh, larger ranch properties, but Mm -hmm. more exclusive properties for trophy animals, Mm -hmm. trophy mule deer and trophy elk. So uh, that'll be under uh, St. James Properties out of Colorado. Okay. St. James Properties. Make sure you guys look that up if you're looking for some really good elk hunting country. Um, You know, I'll probably post a picture too, if you're okay with that. Sure, of course. Of uh, some elk you've taken, Bruce. You know, a lot of the guys here are drooling over those tonight, man. Uh, We got um, some good bulls this year, so it's been been a good year. So, Man, it's crazy. How many, you're saying one of your clients passed on how many? bulls before you shot that one uh, about 125 125 bulls 125 different bulls that came down and uh, we're in the migration route outside of rocky mountain national park so uh when the bulls are coming down the cows are coming down we'll have a couple hundred head on the ranch but uh we just hit it right and there was like five or six different herds that come in and um yeah it was he gotcha. was truly blessed he ended up taking an eight by seven Ooh, so uh that's a big boy yeah he, he got a nice one so he was Good. uh but happy clients and mm-hmm. uh that's what it's about yeah what's the name of your guidance service so it's trophy ridge outfitters llc.com okay trophy ridge outfitters llc.com if you guys want to kill some big bulls and other you guys guide for other stuff oh yeah too, yep, right yep trophy mule deer and uh, we took a 191 inch mule deer last year Ooh. so yeah we got a couple that gotcha. are alive that uh, we got trail camera pictures on we'll score over 200 but that's uh, incredible yeah they're they're not easy to get though no they're not no, no they're not they're but it, if you're reason. interested in that sort of animal class i mean you got to get a good guide you know oh, yeah. have good access to yeah. land and that's and that's where you are man so um i'm, I'm i feel blessed to sit down with you and i'm blessed to call you my friend man i'm excited uh, to talk about you a little I'm blessed bit blessed to be here Yep. So, uh, how long you been hunting, Bruce? Oh gosh, ever since I was uh, nine years old, I started. My father started me carrying a BB gun pheasant hunting. Okay. And then when I turned twelve, I got my first shotgun, and uh, you do some uh, pheasant hunting with a shotgun, rabbit hunting back in okay. the Midwest. And from there, it just took off. And uh, hunting is my passion, and started big game hunting um, for whitetails when I was twelve, but. Really started heading out west when I was mm-hmm. in high school, probably about 17 years old, and um, started guiding when I was 18 in Montana and uh, throughout college and just fell in love with it. Yeah. Fell in love with the west and the mountains and chasing elk. And um, yeah, so from then I've, you know, I've been guiding in Montana, Wyoming, Nebraska, Colorado, and mm-hmm. uh, went on some self guided trips up to Alaska and some other destinations international. So it's just, there you it's go. just been a blast. We'll talk a little bit more of that, about that later on here, man. Um, but destination hunting. Um, but no, you definitely have some experience. You spent some time in the woods. Um, so you say you've been a guide since 18. Yep. And that's probably been just eight, 10 years since you turned 18. Oh yeah. It's been, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more like 35. Gotcha. So, so you, you've been there and done that and yep. seen a lot of stuff. So oh, if yeah. you could off the top of your head, how many elk do you think you've guided or you've seen killed under your, your tutelage? Oh boy. Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Probably, geez, I don't know. 
50 to 60, maybe even more, 75. I've never big, counted big, them. Big bulls, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And not including deer. And no, yeah, yeah, no we're just them. talking to elk. So. so, Gotcha. Well, hey, earlier tonight, you know, over dinner, we were talking about a couple things. And, you know, I mentioned a story I had happened earlier where, you know, a guy wasn't prepared, didn't have his kill kit with him and stuff. Yep. And, you know, one thing you mentioned, and I, I've noticed this too, um, I experienced this when I first got into hunting. You know, it's stuff that hunters or guides take for granted that we just, you know, do. Um, not everybody knows that. Matt, you know You're exactly right. Um, well, and that's kind of part of the point of why I started this podcast was, you know, as an education for me, you know, for me to learn stuff and also to pass that information along mm-hmm. to anyone, um, you know, just want to learn about. It. So um, let's kind of get started here. Um, so in general, you know, you do a little bit of, you've done whitetail hunting before oh, in yeah. Midwest. Yep. Um, you know, you've done out West. You've done the backpack hunting, you know, where oh, you're yeah. way back in the back country. You have to, you know, yep. walk an animal out. So you've done all that. Um, we talked about kill kit. So yep. we mentioned that. So what... Yep. What's in your like on body kill kit? Like the minimum thing you have on you when, when you're out hunting or guiding. So the biggest thing for me is I I carry a, a fanny pack with shoulder straps and it's got a, a day pack on top of it, but it also has a couple straps that I can put a an extra layer of a jacket or something like that on it. The biggest thing for us is layering, and mm-hmm. and just like we talked about pheasant hunting, right? Yeah. Do it. You got to layer, um, and and the same with uh, big game hunting. So I, I make sure I've got layers in there. But the first thing is a survival kit. You got to have to have something, no matter how good you are or mm-hmm. how good you think you are. You still need that survival kit. Yeah, you absolutely. can get stuck in a situation, and I've been in that situation uh, up in Montana uh, one year that uh, it was crazy. Uh, got stuck in a huge snowstorm, uh, chasing bull, bugling bulls, and uh, uh, just got you know into it and mm-hmm. didn't realize the time it got dark out and i'm like wow it's it's crazy how dark it got so quick mm-hmm. and i thought i had more time and the bulls are bugling so i'm going down and start snowing i'm chasing them down this steep mountain and tripped over a fence that was under the snow and and uh, went tumbling and bow went flying and i come up and uh you know the elk were still bugling so i went after them and then I started getting real dark, and I'm like, man, I better get out of here. And next thing I know, you know, I'm going up the mountain, and it's you know, a huge snowstorm and probably one of the worst snowstorms I got caught in hmm. and uh, finally got on top. But uh, if I didn't have my survival gear for a fire mm-hmm. or something like that to keep me warm, um, it, uh, it, you just never know what you're going to run into. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of guys out west. You know, a friend of mine, guys for the Frank Church uh-huh. Wilderness, you know, and he pulls a couple guys out every year that oh, you know, yeah. didn't didn't do that. Yep. Um, so what's in, what's in your survival kit, Bruce? Oh, it, it, it comes all the way down to a uh, compass, fire starter, uh, extra matches, uh, lighters, um, you know, uh, first aid kit, mm-hmm. you know, from all that stuff, extra rope, um, you know, parachute cord, I guess, is really what it is, yeah. uh, rope, mm-hmm. uh, knife, sharpener, um, just everything you need, an emergency blanket, mm-hmm. um, just stuff what you need to, if you're stuck and you can spend the night. Biggest thing um, is be able to start a fire and stay there if you're lost. What happens, most people, they keep wandering around. If people are looking for you, mm-hmm. you know, if you just stay put, there's a better chance of getting getting. Yeah, because they know generally where you are. And, exactly. Yeah, because if you keep moving, you're making yeah. it harder for them. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. It, it happens all the time. So, yeah. yeah, stay put, start a fire, stay warm, get that emergency blanket, and uh, just, yeah, hunker down. There you go. That, that, that's some good advice there, man. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, most of the time I, I don't hunt too far from the trailhead, so mm-hmm. um, I, I haven't I faced that yet, but um, no, that's definitely some good advice. So in addition to, like you said, uh, you know, basically survival kit, yep. um, you know, and just survival gear that you have on you. Sure. You're also going to have, you know, a couple extra layers because um, – you know, like, uh, you never know what you're going to run into, right? No, you, you don't. You know, um, 
like you said, you know, and I think some people don't realize if you're up walking around, you're going to get warmer. If you sit down in glass mm-hmm. for an hour or two hours, like you're going to get cooler. Sure. You know, yeah, that's for sure. Once you start breaking a sweat and that cold wind comes in and, and you're not moving, yeah, yep. your body temp's going to drop and you are going to get cooler. So, yeah. So, yeah. so having those layers you can kind of take on and off is, is real critical. So, yep. mm-hmm. um, uh, some good points. So let's talk about kill kit for a second. Oh, yeah. So what do you have on you to, to dress the game out bare minimum? Yeah, so you, you want to make sure you have um, the, a good knife, a sharp knife, sharpening stone. Um, you know, different people recommend different ones. I've got the ones with the replaceable um, the razor blades mm-hmm. in it. Yep. So uh, really enjoy that for skinning and stuff like that. It makes it real easy yep. to, to be able to do that. And then once you get the head, you can cape it out and everything. You switch blades so you have a good sharp blade all the time. So I have that. Um, uh, you got a gut hook. Um, stuff like that. And then parachute cord is huge. I mm-hmm. mean, if you get a big elk down, you can tie that front leg, especially if you're by yourself, you can tie that front leg up to one of the antlers to mm-hmm. hold it. Um, you know, tie another leg over to a tree or if you're on a steep hill side, I've actually had to tie the elk off. So it didn't so keep, it keep sliding, sliding down. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. once you're dealing with a 600 pound animal on a steep hillside, it's, it's not easy when you're by well, yourself. Well, and when you're moving it around or you're cutting on, you don't really want it sliding down no. the hill and move around so no exactly well, yeah because we were so. talking about that earlier you know because what i keep my kill kit and, and again i'm most of the time midwest sure. whitetail hunting or you know close to a vehicle or road i have uh have on pronta you know yep. knife with yep. interchangeable yep. blades yep. i have some paracord i have one pair of rubber gloves um and that's all in like a orange a blaze orange bag like a far yep. international it's that's always mm-hmm. with me and you know at the bare minimum i can cut something up you know and mm-hmm. like, like you said i have a million uses for paracord you know, especially when you're dressing oh, yeah. out game and um, like you said, tie that leg to the, the antler to hold its leg up so you can get in there. And, um, mm-hmm. like when you're working with elk, it's a little different than a, oh, yeah, no, it is. Know. They're a lot bigger animal. And, and another great thing, I carry black electrical tape. Mm, okay. So, um, for putting your tag on, uh, stuff like that, I've had it before on a whitetail where I end up tagging it, dragging it out to the car, and I get there and my tag's gone. Mm-hmm. I caught yep. a brush or something. So, I carry electrical tape, and that way we can tape that on that leg and make sure that tag stays. And, yeah. And it's there. Or also, too, if you put a game bag, um, some of the time if I'm going in uh, distance or something with a pack frame, I'll carry game bags with me. And, and that electrical tape's nice. You can tape the top of it or tape it around the, the cord or whatever mm-hmm. you need there. So, Or if you got a stash, you know, something somewhere, you can tape it up yep. a little bit on top. It, and- exactly. Do that. And I carry a pen because you got to be able to sign your tag in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So carry a pen with me, extra set of gloves, extra hat, mm-hmm. uh, like a stocking cap or something like mm-hmm. that. So. Okay. Uh, just like well, the biggest thing is being prepared for the weather because you never know what's going to happen in yeah. the mountains. That whole layering thing, I take that with gloves. I carry two sets of gloves, um, you know, extra headlamps, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So water, make sure I carry water and I always carry a Snickers bar. There so you go. So in case you are stuck, at least, you know, a Snickers will, will get you through, give you some energy if you have to spend the night or something like that. So there's always something. So I'm sure there's probably some energy bars that are a little more healthier. Ah, but I don't know about that. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know about, for me, it's more of that Snickers. So. Yeah, you know, especially up on hunting. So I always have a cliff bar or a granola bar or something like that sure. in my uh, in one of my pouches on my vest because, you know, um, what I've learned a long time ago is, you know, if you're going to be walking for five, six hours a day, you, know, you get a little tired. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, let's say about every 30 minutes or an hour, I take a couple bites of the cliff bar or yep. a granola bar. And then by the day, I'm not gassed. You know, I'm yep, not like exactly. exhausted. Just get a little more energy. Yep. Just kind of keep going throughout the days. So, mm-hmm. um, well, that's some good advice, Bruce. And uh, you know, you know, I like to process my own game. So, yep, so do I think I. a lot of that starts from the kill. Oh yeah. You know, and and getting that thing, uh, getting that thing cleaned up. So, 
Um, that's something cool. Well, let's let's get a little moving along here a little bit more. We talked about the kill kit and mm-hmm. uh, being prepared and survival kit. So traveling to hunt. Oh yeah. Love so. It. And I've talked about this before. Um, one thing that helped me grow as a hunter was going to different parts of the country and hunting different stuff. You know, I, I've hunted uh, turkeys down in the southeast, deer in the southeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm up here hunting pheasants in South Dakota. You know, I've been out west a little bit. And, um, you know, I put, I've t- picked up a lot of stuff from doing those things I've taken back to my home, you know, states of Kansas and Missouri and uh, vice versa. You know, what I always tell guys, and I don't want to offend anybody, but some of the best woodsmen that I've ever met or hunted with are uh, the guys in South Carolina and the Southeast hunt turkeys, man. Yeah. Those guys can just, guys are good turkeys hunting in Alabama, Mississippi, and South Carolina. Those are some good woodsmen, you know, and the stuff you can pick up from then, you can apply yeah. to a lot of places, man. So um, what's your take on traveling to hunt? Well, I, I think it's, uh, no matter how good you are or how good you think you are, it's always important to learn from others, right? You can always pick something up. To, to help yourself to better yourself mm-hmm. and traveling you get to meet great people but also it's that for me it's all about the experience right mm-hmm. it's about learning and pushing yourself so for me when i look at traveling coming up here or like going to alaska if, if you're doing a a major trip uh doing a float trip down a river for 76 miles for three weeks and I mean, it, it just, it, it stretches you and pushes mm-hmm. you. And it is, you got to be on your game, right? You got to, you got to read up and you got to know about survival gear. You got to, even like tonight when we went out, we had a safety briefing and, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a, a bag with a tourniquet and, and you just make sure that you're prepared for mm-hmm. the worst and hopefully you never need it. Yeah. But you want to be prepared. And uh, so all that stuff you can learn and, and the people you meet and, and just different locations, right? I mean, so your pheasant hunting out in eastern Colorado is totally different than pheasant hunting up here in South Dakota. Yeah. Right? Yeah, So it, it's just, uh, um, for me, it, it, it's the adventure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's, it's adrenaline, and, and then it's the stories, right? Mm-hmm. Life's about stories. 100%. So when you, when you get back and you're visiting with your friends and your circle, then, uh, you know, it's all about sharing them stories. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and that's, that's where you get to meet people, too, when you travel. Yep. Absolutely. No. And like we we're talking about earlier, everybody on this trip, it, a couple of them know each other, but most of them just know me, right. you know, and that's how this all kind of came together. And so, um, you know, when I've gone on hunts like that, where you interact with people or hang out with people you don't usually know or haven't met yet, you learn a lot and you get learned different diversities. And, you know, we were talking hunting ducks earlier oh, today, yeah, you down know, in Arkansas. And that's, and that's the thing, the people you meet yep. and, and it just sets up for new trips. And a lot of that too, is just, you know, Hey, inviting people to come out West or inviting people to go there. And next thing you know, and you're meeting more people yep. and then you get invited on more trips. And, mm-hmm. and so for us, you know, and I mean, we all can deer hunt all the time, but for someone down in Arkansas or someone, you know, mm-hmm. in the Midwest, yep. that's a big deal. Yeah. Right. So yeah. for them, they're excited for us, you know, to go down and hunt the flooded timbers in Arkansas for ducks. That's, yeah. You know, that's big for us, right? Because, yeah. you know, we'll chase ducks out in the cornfields and stuff like that in Colorado, but that that's a total different game. Right? Yeah. That's, that's a destination trip for a lot of people. Yeah. I went down and Stark, hunted Stuttgart, my buddy Denton, who's sure. here yeah. uh, last season. We got to shoot wood ducks, you know, flying through flooded timber, oh, you know, yeah. and it's just like, you know, what's cool to me is like um, you know, the nostalgic hunts or the things you hear about. You know, I got to hunt ducks a couple of years ago down at Real Foot Lake down in Tennessee. Okay. And um, I don't know how much you know about Real Foot, but it's it was one of the waterfowl meccas. I mean, oh, just wow. for years and years and years. And, you know, the blind I was hunting out of, the guide that guided there, his dad guided out of that blind and then passed oh, it down oh, to cool. him. And so he's <clears> grandfathered in. And um, wow. it's just cool sitting there going, 
now they'd rebuilt the blind, but in this spot for the last 60 years, that family's been guiding there, you know, and, and it's the best spot on the lake. You know, there's like four oh, other yeah. blinds you can see a couple hundred yards down and they all wish they were sitting in our spot. Oh, and, yeah. No, um, that's, and that's the thing we yeah. talked about earlier too, is you got to hunt where the animals are. hundred percent. Right? I mean, man, if you're looking yeah. for trophy elk, you have to hunt where the trophy elk are, right? I mean, yeah, you can go to over a counter unit and you can shoot a trophy bull. But if you're hunting an opportunity where, uh, you know, it's a special draw unit and they're known for big bulls and, and you can go in there and pass up a couple nice 300, 320, 330 bulls if you're looking for 350 compared to going out and maybe you'll see a 300, you know, or just like here, South Dakota, right? If you're yeah. hunting pheasants, you go where the pheasants are or just like that where you're talking deer hunt or duck yeah. hunting down there. If you get mm-hmm. that right blind, that right lease, it's, it's a big difference. Absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, that's really the reason I started coming up here to South Dakota. I had some friends in Alabama that wanted, he told me, say, hey, man, I really want to do the South Dakota experience, you know, the pheasant hunt sure. experience. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I've kicked up wild pheasants out in Kansas. You know, I was there last week with uh, Brandon, you know, Brandon, yep. oh, yeah. um, yeah. hunting some pheasants. And it's great. I love that place. I love my home state. And, um, and, uh, but it's just the, the numbers are not like it is up here, no. you know, no. and, so I committed to a couple of years ago, like if I want to go shoot pheasants, I'm taking my buddy to shoot pheasants. We're going yep. to South Dakota. So, yeah. So I'm excited to get out and uh, see what it's all about tomorrow. Yep. No, I'm, I'm excited, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Um, we got some good dogs. We're going to hunt over. Yep. Um, got a good group, like I said. So, um, you know, in addition to traveling to hunt, um, so big hunts, Oh yeah. you know, okay. So we're talking like moose hunts in Alaska. You, you taken a couple of moose up there, oh, right? Yeah. So I've taken three, um, three bulls uh over 60 inches up there and uh all self-guided hunts all different hunts mm-hmm. so the first one we uh went and uh, floated a river for 76 miles mm. and uh had no idea where we were getting out <laughs> and uh like i say that's what adventure's about right yeah. i mean you push yourself we got charged by a grizz up there mm-hmm. got between a sow and her cubs and uh, we survived that and uh it, it just yeah i mean uh, there's so many stories when you hunt and then bigger hunts. That, yeah. I mean, I, I could talk for hours on, on Alaska and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. When you, when you do a big destination hunts, that that's what it's about. It's the anticipation for it, the planning, the people mm-hmm. you're going with. Yep. So it isn't just the hunt, right? And, yeah. and it's about the total experience. So we talked about that as yeah. well, mm-hmm. right? It's not just that, you know, releasing the arrow or, or pulling that trigger. It's, it's about the whole thing, planning and, and sitting down and the logistics of it, making mm-hmm. sure you have the correct gear. Yeah. And, and that's huge. And then, you know, when you get the game, you know, heck, we brought back, uh, was it nine boxes of moose meat and, wow. and shared it with people here. We donated some to the people in the villages up there, but man, it was so good. And, mm-hmm. and you want to share that with your friends and, yeah. and, uh, and have cookouts. So it was good. You know, there's definitely a point of pride, you know, oh, yeah. with, uh, you know, once like, I, I went up to like, you can tell a story, you know, like I talked a lot about like a lot of my trophies are that cooking for people or, you know, the food, you know, or the, the fan mount I have on the wall. It's not necessarily, I'm not trying to brag the fan mount. No. It's, I'm, I'm remembering that story that yep. my buddies I was shooting that with or, um, you know, the, the story about, you know, the last two turkeys I've shot haven't gobbled. So I'm on a bad streak. Man. You, know, you, well, you need to come gobble, to Colorado then. Right. So <laughs> I think I might have to do that, but, um. You know, it's just funny stuff like that, you oh, know, yeah. and remember those stories. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, one, it's so much more about pulling the trigger. Oh, so much more than that. Out. You know, I was I was dragging a deer out um, a couple weeks ago, help, help a buddy of mine take a deer out. And, you know, it was not an easy drag. I'm not going to lie to you. No. You know, and I was not <laughs> loving my life in that no. moment. Um, but, 
you know, he said, man, this is my least favorite part of the hunt. I said, you know what? I said, I don't necessarily love dragging a deer through the Missouri yeah. woods, especially uphills and stuff. Sure. But I said, you know, I love all of it, man. I love the scouting. I love watching the deer come out. I love shooting the deer. I love gutting deer. I love cutting it up. I love, I mean, because to me, it's like I said, it's experience, man. Oh, yeah. It's the, you know, and part of the reason I hunt is like, I want to test myself. I want to see what I can do, you know. Um, and when you, when it's tough, you get to do that. Well, and that's the thing. We were talking earlier tonight, too, about it, it. It's a mind game, right? I mean, you know, anyone can go out and get lucky and shoot something. But when you spend the time and you pattern them and you you know them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we run about 40 trail cameras and, and you know, we're, we're all year round. It's 365 yep. days a year, but it's our passion. It's yeah. our work. And we love it. And we were talking that, you know, I enjoy taking pictures of elk and deer and and, and animals that, you know, whether it's mountain lions or whatever, but the scouting, it's just like hunting year mm-hmm. round. Yeah. And, you know, it's not about pulling the trigger, but it's about just being able to to get into their backyard and get close to them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like bow hunting. Man, if, if you can get in there and, and document what's actually there and be able to show people, and that's yeah. like, that, that's, that's a blast for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's absolutely right, Bruce. And you know, you kind of mentioned bow hunting. So I've kind of gotten the bow hunting bug in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, I mean, I st- I'll still tip stuff over the rifle when I love using a shotgun, but it's just, there's something that's a little more primal. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it's just like, it takes more skill. Oh, without a doubt. Bow. No, without a doubt. So, if you got to get within, you know, 30, 40 yards, I mean, mm-hmm. some guys are, are, you know, able to shoot further, but, uh, you know, most people, they stay in at 20, 30, 40 yards, depending mm-hmm. if it's deer or elk or something like that. And when you can get in that wheelhouse and you're calling them and they come in bugling and screaming and tearing trees up and yeah, uh, that once you do that, and that's what ended up moving me to Colorado, you know, I would chase an elk out in Montana and Colorado, and then I go back to Illinois, sit in a tree stand in October. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this is boring. It's a little different. But yeah, it's a little different. You know, man. I'm like, oh, I got to have the mountains. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's what took me out there. And uh, like I say, now an outfitter out there, I love sharing that experience mm-hmm. with clients yeah. and, and friends and family that, uh, you know, when you, when you can do that and fill your freezer. Right? Yep. I mean, that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you get a cow elk or a bull elk, you're putting about 300 pounds of meat in a freezer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of, you know, eating wild game, oh, man. Heck yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Well, and just like you brought some elk steaks for us, you oh, know, yeah. sharing wild game. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. No, so that, that's that's absolutely the case, man. And, you know, um, so we talked a little bit about, it's so like big hunts. Let's think oh, about yeah. this. So, like, like I said, like you kill those couple moose up in Alaska. Yep. Um, you know, what's... If I call an outfitter in Alaska, what's the average cost of moose hunt now? Oh, probably self-guided. We're probably looking. If you, I mean, you could do it a lot cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's the same thing, right? If, if your success, um, if you look at better successes, you're looking at a transporter, mm-hmm. someone to fly you in yep. and drop you off. Um, maybe they do a little bit of the scouting as they're flying and stuff like that to say, hey, I know there's at least one moose in this area. Mm-hmm. So your success goes up. If you're looking at something like that compared to just going up the hall road and then jumping off and getting on the river there, you can do that as well. So that price will be cheaper because um, you don't need a guide in Alaska yeah. to hunt moose. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at a transporter in a good area, you're probably looking at, you know, 6000 to well, it depends on the gear, right? You got to yeah. have the so it's a, it's it all adds up, right? You got to have a four season tent. You 
You yeah. got to have the right sleeping bags, right? I love Stone Glacier. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have the right pack because once you drop a moose down. So, yeah. you know, the last trip we took was out of Bethel. And, uh, you, you know, once we got one down, it took us a day and a half for two people to haul it back to camp. Mm-hmm. And and that's, yeah. uh, you know, in Alaska, you, you got to leave the bone in now when you quartered mm. out. So, really? Yeah. So they changed the rules and regulations and, you know, a lot of that. So when you're talking a moose hind quarter, you're, you're talking a lot of weight, you know. I was going to say, that's not a light piece of uh, no. piece of meat, man, you know, especially no. with the bone in. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a game changer. And, um, no, you, you mentioned good packs and all that stuff. And, you know, I think you and I were talking earlier, you know, uh, that one of those hunts you went on, like, oh, it only cost me five, five grand. Oh, yeah. You know? yep. I had to buy a new raft and buy this, <laughs> exactly. you know. And so by the end of it, it's closer to 10 yeah, grand. Exactly. You know? you know, so you look um, at it and that's, that's you know, you look at it and it's like, okay, well, it costs five grand. But like you say, by the time you put everything, your airline tickets mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the gear that you need and everything, it's easily comes up to 10 grand. Yeah. And, and that's not counting getting the meat back. And then, you know, I process my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at getting it mounted, right? So yeah. I, got one of, I got my biggest one, a Boone and Crockett one mounted. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not cheap either. But no. it's the same thing. It's sharing that story with people. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's a blessing to have that opportunity to go. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you got to find the right people. That That's, yeah. you, you got to have that right, right person with you. Because if you're going to spend the last trip we went on, um, we took our two moose and probably one of the most beautiful evenings in uh, Alaska I've ever had. Calm, mm-hmm. beautiful, clear skies, yep. no wind. Got on the sat phone, called our transporter, and he's like, yep, I'll be in in the morning. Four days later, we were, <laughs> we were able to get out. Oh, wow. Okay. So it, we got socked in. The weather mm-hmm. was terrible. So when you're in a tent for four days with the same person. You got to like them. You got to like them a lot, right? Or be able to live with them, you know? Exactly. So definitely you got to have the right person, but also the person that's got your back, right? If Mm -hmm. something were to happen. Yeah. So we've been on uh, another trip where uh, when the transporter dropped us off, he made a comment about whatever you do, you know, it's been raining for so many days that it's, uh, you know, just don't fall in the water. Don't get in the water over your hip boots, right? He says, because hypothermia sets in it's going to take a while to start a fire yeah so yeah. we listened to him and uh and, and i'm pretty decent in the woods mm-hmm. and uh, even with fire starter it took us like three days to get a fire going because everything was so wet yeah so yeah. i mean we tried shaving wood down you know we tried getting the you know the small dry branches but everything was soaked so we mm-hmm. ended up putting it in the tent trying to dry it out but yeah. it took us three days to actually Ooh. get a decent fire so you got to be smart mm-hmm. yeah you know you can't just go and and uh, get after it and, and not think of what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Cause hey, you're talking life or death in some of them situations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, some of those people that aren't prepared or, or haven't thought through it all that they end up getting dragged out, you know, their body's oh, yeah. getting dragged out later no. in the year. The very first trip we took, uh, there's four of us that went and <clears throat> one of the guys had a $29 cotton sleeping bag and he Ooh. had a cheap scope and his scope ended up fogging up. He couldn't hunt for four or five days and, Mm. And if you don't, you know, he had cotton clothes instead of mm-hmm. wool, and uh, and this is back in the '90s, so it wasn't all the the good clothing, the high now. speed the, stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but he just wasn't prepared. He mm-hmm. and, and you know, we end up sharing our clothes for him because once you're out there, there's, yeah. there is no coming out. You yeah, know, it, it's you're floating a river, you're yeah. stuck, and so you just you got to be able to take care of each other, but you need to to make sure that the people you're with are prepared. That's mm-hmm. one thing I learned from that trip. Is yeah, to make sure everyone's prepared. No, that's a good point. You know, we can prepare ourselves and make sure we're squared away, but 
you know, making yeah. sure because if they aren't squared away, you're going to be squaring them away. Well, you know, with yeah, your but staff. Then you're so. out there, and then you're losing your gear. Yep. To, to make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. So. No, that, that's yeah. absolutely right. And um, well, that's some good stuff, man. And, you know, and um, you know, one thing you kind of I don't know inspired is the right word, but uh, you know, you're impressed on me and and Denton is. You know, some of those things, because we talk about the price of these hunts. You know, these oh, big, wow. big hunts, big money hunts. And, you know, it's, like I said, the experience, you can't almost put a price on that experience, no, you know. without a doubt. Um, but the way to think about this is it's like, okay, so if now it's 10 grand, you know, I'm 30. Oh, yeah. If it's 10 grand, yeah, how much is going to be in 20 years? Oh, yeah. Or 15 years? It's going to be more than that, you know. And, you know, 10 grand sounds a lot of, like a lot of money, but, you know, if, if if I decide not to buy a new car, just keep the car I'm driving, sure. you know, if I don't buy all those new guns I want, you know, or, <laughs> you know, if you get a little, little extra job on the side or make a little bit of cash, mm-hmm. you know, to make it a little bit better for your family, you know, to go out there, it's it's sure. doable. It's oh, how it much is. you want. No, it, it is doable. Know? And that that's it. When you want something bad enough, then you do it, right? Maybe yep. you, you don't get that coffee once a week. You know, you come mm-hmm. back one cup of coffee a week and save that money. Put it yep. aside mm-hmm. and, and just start saving up a little at a time. Do an extra job. Pick yeah. up an extra shift yep. or whatever it might be. Put that money aside because looking back, for me, like I say, so brown bears on my list. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I shared with you that I end up booking that and uh, I'm, I'm going to go. And uh, But if I would have done it 15 years ago when I wanted to, yeah. it would be half the price of what it is now. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's like, wow. So looking back, yeah, I, I agree with you. Do what it takes and mm-hmm. do those while you're younger, too, yeah. right? Your body's in a lot better shape mm-hmm. and the experience, the knowledge you learn. And, uh, yeah, it, no, it's it's good. But Absolutely. You know, and you, you mentioned, too, you think about it, how many years you got left to hunt, you know, oh, no. or some of those hard hunts that, you know, people yeah. talk about, you know, um, you know, God forbid someone have an accent or something. It's like, man. I, I really push and I try to do as much as I can every year. And, yep. you know, that's um, I, I, my wife's very understanding, you know, and she helps me out quite mm-hmm. a bit uh, supporting me doing that. Um, but it's uh, it's tough sometimes. But, you know, in my mind, it's like, hey, I only get so many years on this earth and I only get so many. Um, you know, you don't know when you might not have that opportunity. Nope, you're exactly right. And that's what mm-hmm. I was sharing with you earlier. A friend of mine told me to put out a tape measure. Mm-hmm. OK. And. uh you know, what, what do you think your life expectancy is? And then look where you're at now. Mm-hmm. So look how many years are behind you and how many years are ahead and figure how many, you know, how many times can, heck, I used to put a, a hind and a front quarter on my back for an elk. Uh-huh. You know, and when you're packing it out, yeah. you know, and then you're in great shape. But are you going to be able to do that when you're 65? Are you going to yeah. be able to do that when you're 70 or go on a sheep hunt or something? So mm-hmm. some of those hunts you may want to look at while you're younger and better shape because mm-hmm. uh, you don't know. You yeah. don't know what tomorrow brings. And for me, it's like, look at that bucket list and, and really prioritize mm-hmm. what is, you know, I was blessed to be able to go to New Zealand and uh, what an amazing trip. And mm-hmm. then now I'm all excited. We were talking tonight about Africa. So we're like, I mean, look, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing, right? You go yeah. on some of these trips, you talk to people that have been other places mm-hmm. and then you start dreaming. Yeah. And, and that's what life's about. That's what gives you that, mm-hmm. that fire inside. And it's like, man, I would love to go after a Cape Buffalo. Yep. Right. I oh, mean, that's dude. right. So it's yeah. like that. But if I wasn't here, right, I'd be home, I'd be working, I'd be doing mm-hmm. this or that. And it's like, but now you, you meet people and they know connections or references. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, you know, this outfitter really treated us well. And word of mouth, you cannot mm-hmm. be. Nope. So. No, when especially if you think about it, if you're paying that much money, you want to make sure it's a quality outfitter. You know, and if you've never been there, I mean, if you can have personal experience, a guy said, right. hey, you know, yeah. I, I was there with him on these dates and he did a really good job in this and helped me up with this. And that's invaluable. Oh, without know? a doubt. And, and and that's the thing. So even from our side as an outfitter, 
um, we understand they're, you know, they're paying a lot of money and mm-hmm. we want to be able to produce. Yeah. Right. But that's the outfitters you're looking for. Someone that, that has that feeling and, and that takes fewer clients and caters to those clients and stuff like that. So when you hear that coming from other people, that that's what intrigues me. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's what I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely right. And like I said, you, you and I were talking earlier, um, when you were kind of talking about your, the operation that you run out there, you know, and some of the guys were kind of, like, man, those are huge bulls. And it's like, well, you know, the reason you got those animals is because you're selective. You know, yep. you don't take every guy, you know, you aren't bringing, you know, you aren't running a hundred guys through that Correct. ranch every year. You know, it's the way you get those big bull animals is. They have to have that age structure, yep. right? They're not going to get to their potential, whether it's elk or deer or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but they have to have that age structure. Yep. And they have to have the genetics. So mm-hmm. when we can put the age structure and the genetics and, and that's, you know, that's what gets you up to that 350 yep. class bull or, or bigger even. So, well, you know, one thing I, t- I tell guys too is, um, well, kind of we're talking about with my buddy Denton tonight, you know, he's got some connections in Africa. He's gone over oh, there and hunt. He's got some family over there. And, um, you know, it's, if you can get some sort of in like that or, you know, like we're talking about, so Denton likes to hunt ducks in, in Arkansas. He's got a nice lease down there. It's like, if you can think about, if you want to go do a certain hunt, like, you know, if you want to go hunt turkeys in the Southeast, like think about what you have in your backyard. You know, what do you hunt a lot? What are you good at? It's like, if you know someone in the Southeast, you can kind of do a hunt trade, right? Sure. Yeah. Hey, come That's out here, spend a couple about. days with me, you know, <clears throat> and it may not be, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, you may be paying that guy a little bit of cash, but you know, it's like, if you can get that knocked down, get a personal experience with that guy. Oh, yeah. You know, it makes a lot of those hunts more attainable. Yeah, and we were know? talking about that. You know, we on the front range, we got a great migration for the Canadian geese and mm, stuff like yep. that. And, and you know, he hasn't done that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, hey, yeah. come on out and do some goose hunting or if you want to come out elk hunting or whatever it might be. Yeah. But, yeah, same thing. When you're around good people, it's easy to do that. Yeah, right? no, I mean, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's the thing. When you find like-minded people that are that have the same ethics that you have mm-hmm. and, and that are fun to be with, then, you then want to hang, yeah. hang with it them. Makes you want to help them. It's exciting for you because you get to mm-hmm. try something new. So, absolutely, you know, and that brings up another good point. So, now, how many? I'm sure you've seen this before, where some guy been drawing points for four or five years, right? Maybe eight, ten years for yeah, trophy seventeen for some. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so this guy, he's drawing these points. He's telling you, man, I can't wait to get out there and hunt elk. He's never foot set foot in Colorado. Yep, that's right. Happened. So, <laughs> what do you is going to happen when he goes on that hunt? Yep. it's not going to be good, right? No, you know, and, and that's the thing. You got to be prepared. Um, it, you need to make sure that your gear, your clothing, your rifle, you practice, right? Yeah. I, I had uh, some people out that uh, when they arrived in camp, they only shot the rifle once. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you mm-hmm. got you, you to gotta be prepared, right? You're, you're spending that money. You're putting all that time and effort in for, and, and you got to do your part, yep. right? So if you're going to get an opportunity, you want to make sure you can connect on that opportunity or you don't go buy new boots the day before you go. Yeah. Right. You got to break yeah. them in because then you have blisters and you can't travel the back country, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So it's not just what's in your pack. Yeah. But you got to look at all your gear, right? No matter whether it's your camouflage and it fits or if it's a new jacket, you mm-hmm. know, is it noisy or whatever it might be. Um, you gotta, you gotta make sure you do your part ahead. Of, yeah. But to me, that's part of the fun. Oh yeah. Getting that stuff. And, and just like earlier this year, when yep. you got your, uh, stone glacier, mm-hmm. uh, your tent. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, you had it set up in the house and, and that's huge. Cause mm-hmm. the first time you set something up, you don't want to set it up. Nope. Uh, on the field, <laughs> right. And you're like, I don't know how this goes together. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's so critical. It's like, you should be able, you should at least put it together a couple times. Yep. You'll get it 
system out. It's a lot easier to do that in your backyard in Kansas yes, it is. <laughs> um, than up on a mountainside yep. going, oh, shoot, I didn't bring steaks. Yep. Or it's dark know, now. And yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Or, where's this guy line supposed to tie out to, man? Like, um, <laughs> hmm. Yep. No, uh, so I've got to be prepared. You know, and that's uh, that's one thing I talk about a lot. Uh, so with the hunt, and you know the spruce intimately, there's stuff that's going to go change happen. Oh, you yeah. can't plan, right? Nope. You know, the deer elk was going to walk in a different path than you planned. You know, nope. it's going to walk at 40 yards instead of 30 yards. And you'd promise yourself, I'm not going to shoot around 30 yards. You know, all these things, right? Mm-hmm. What, what I always tell people is you can't control any of that. That's just going to, that's just hunting, yep. right? That's hunting, yeah. But it's what you can control is your ability to shoot, your gear, your physical, you know, fitness, oh, yeah. all these things. And yep. it's like, I want to take a, the, as many variables out as possible. Um, you know, and so that's like during hunting season or leading up to hunting season. Um, so I shoot shotgun a lot, you know, oh, yeah. Bruce. Oh, and, yeah. Definitely. Um, that's you pulling a trigger on a shotgun differently, you pulling a rifle. So leading up to hunting season, I'm, I dry fire with a rifle about 10 times every night, you know, to make sure that I'm pulling that rifle trigger very slowly, waiting for it to break. Sure. Know? Um, because I, I, when your heart's pumping and there's that giant oh, trophy yeah. animal in front of you. <laughs> You know, yep, I want to make sure one opportunity and it's quick and, and, and it's muscle memory. The yep. more you practice, the more you're out on the range shooting. Yeah. Whether it's skeet shooting or trap shooting for pheasants or, mm-hmm. or for big game with a rifle. Yep. I mean, yep. that's, and then you look at it once you do harvest it, then it's getting that meat out and making sure you take care of it. Yep. Right. You can't be putting it in the dirt and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yep. You want to make sure you have good clean game bags and, and get it elevated, tied into a tree and, uh, cool that meat down because the biggest thing like you know bringing the steaks up here i want to be able to share that. yeah and yeah and i want the best best quality meat we can get right mm-hmm. i mean that that lean meat is so good for you yeah and uh, yeah. looking forward to cooking it up tomorrow night no it's going to be good I'm, I'm looking forward to that too bruce so man um i'm glad we sit down and talk man oh yeah me too so, uh, thanks for having me yeah yeah no the other guys are sitting there watching some games and oh, so yeah. if there's a little background noise no worries oh, that's but all good. i was gonna say i think we're having a good time yeah. <laughs> but um, no, man, thank yeah. you so much for sitting down with me. Oh, thanks and, for uh, having me and look forward to visiting again with Yeah, you. we're going to talk more this, this week, so okay. um, it's going to be a good time. But All right. Thanks, Bruce. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, so we'll get back to the episode in just a second, but I want to talk um, briefly about my sponsor, Walton's Inc. Um, like I said earlier in the at the beginning of the episode, they make a lot of cool stuff, make a lot of great stuff, everything but the meat. Um, they sell seasonings, cures, um, equipment, grinders, sous vide, you know, a lot of crazy stuff, um, dehydrators, slicers, everything. And what I love about Walton's is it's all quality equipment. So I can send my friends there and they buy good stuff and I know it's going to work. I know there's not going to be a problem with it. And um, I personally know I can take the stuff on trips with me. I can cook with it. I can do everything with it and I'm not going to have issues. And that's, that's a big deal to me. You know, if I'm going to buy a grinder or buy, you know, a slicer, I'll make sure it works and all Walton stuff is great. Also, um, you know, guys know I love to cook, obviously, and they kind of take a lot of the the hassle or the tough part out of um, spice mixes. They make a ton of spice mixes from you know jerky seasonings to, like I said, cures. You guys know how much I love hams. Um, they make a lot of good options. You know, baking cures. They make spice mixes for fajitas, everything. And what I love about it is you can just pop open that package, throw it in with the meat or whatever you're cooking, and you're good to go. Make sure you check out Walton's Inc. at waltonsinc.com. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, Walton's Inc. Make sure you check them out. Okay, let's get back to it. Welcome to the Hunt, Fish, Eat podcast. So I'm with my friends, uh, Shelly and Jake Runs. Did I say that right? Renz. Renz. Man, I, I always get that wrong, so I'm terrible with names, but... 
thank you guys for sitting down with me tonight and um, and talking a little bit. So, um, where are we right now, Jake or Shelley? What, what city we in? Hecla, South Dakota, northeast corner of the state. We're gotcha. about uh, forty five minutes from Aberdeen. Okay, be the closest airport or recognizable town. Gotcha. Yeah, everyone knows about Mitchell, <laughs> Rapid City. Sorry, there's some dogs in the background. If you guys hear that? But Mitchell, Rapid City, Sioux Falls is but a little bit north of Aberdeen. So. Um, great place here. So we're hunting pheasants this week. Are you guys letting me come and hunt pheasants with a couple of my buddies? And, um, you guys run an operation called Heckler Dakota Hunting Farms. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We manage the, the hunting and the lodging in the Dakota Hunting Farms. Gotcha. So um, how big is Heckler Dakota Hunting Farms? Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, we run over twenty to 28,000 private owned acres that uh, we have access to and pretty much own ourselves. And then... Have a lodge that can sleep up to 40 people. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a couple lodges that are do-it-yourself if you don't want to be fully catered. Otherwise, you can come and be wined and dined and not have anything to yep. worry about for the whole trip, however yep. you want to do it. I, I've done both with you guys, and I can tell you, you guys took really good care of people, man. So it's it's like a vacation. You're coming up here when you guys do the whole uh, the full Monty. You know, and I think a lot of that has to do with you, Shelly. Well, what I like about it is, I mean... You get to like, there's so many people from different walks of life. So for me, if we do this maybe eight to 10 weeks out of the year and to be able to meet the different people and where everybody's from and listen to everybody's stories. And, and I like to, I go, I get to take pictures and help in the cooking and all that part of it. So that's, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, um, that's one thing I love about my job to travel around and get to meet people, you know, and the people are what I think kind of does it for me and, and those stories. And so, um, you guys have about, you said 20, 28,000 acres, somewhere in there. Um, how did Heckler Dakota Hunting Farms, like, happen? Because I know it's not, it's the, the property's not contiguous, right? No, no, it's not all continuous. There's, uh, a lot of it is. There's probably about nine square miles is continuous, but then there's a few pieces spread across here or there, just whatever was available, and he did it. But the owner of it uh, left here from high school and went out to California and made a lot of smart decisions, made his own business. and. Mm-hmm. Came back here and helped the farmers out in the late 80s when it was a drought and purchased land so he could rent it back to them so they could stay afloat. And mm-hmm. Had a few people offer him, oh, you need to buy this, you need to buy that. And picked up a couple lodges and started flying his friends back and forth to hunt and just grew from there. Yeah. Yep, so that's pretty cool. And, you know, walk around, you see a lot of houses or, you know, older farmsteads. And I know there's a lot of history here, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, walking those hedgerows and everything. So what do you guys mainly hunt here? Uh, pheasants, deer, waterfowl? Pheasants. Probably pheasant. 90% pheasants. Okay. Uh, residents have a tough time getting out-of-state rifle tags. It's not available where we're at, but we do a couple archery hunts a year and and uh, maybe bring in 10 to 20 waterfowl hunters gotcha. over the course of the season. Okay. And you guys do a package deal where you can hunt pheasants uh, in the afternoon and ducks in the morning? Is that right? Or what, you don't do that anymore? Yes. We, okay. Whatever is available. Ducks, pheasants, ducks, or... Geese, gotcha. I mean, we hunt all day. You get to hunt all day when you're here, so. Gotcha. It depends on, on if the, flying yeah, and, when the ducks are mm-hmm. flying. Yeah, for sure. And I know some of it's frozen up right now, and when we got here a couple of days ago, it was open water, so, but uh, it's Midwest, you know, it gets yeah. cold, so. So, so um, the dogs you guys run out of your kennel, um, I know most of those are rescues or kind of people gave you the dogs. You bought a couple of them, but t- tell me about your dogs. Well, that's probably my end of it. Um, I know Shelly likes the dogs. Yep, that's probably, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite parts. Um, they are typically, most of them are rescues or we get a call from somebody that 
is moving and can't keep their hunting dog or they're aging and they want to still see their dog hunt and they're not able to do that. So they give us a call and, and we take them in. And usually we say, yeah, we'll see if they hunt. And if not, then, you know, we'll give you a call back. I don't know that we've ever returned any of them. So um, we get, um, and we've got a few that, that typically don't hunt, but there still are farm dogs out there. And, and, uh, but we've got, you know, we've got every, anywhere from short hairs to labs to wire hairs to French Britneys. Yeah. Now, now we added French Britneys, but, um, but that's what, that's been a, the passion actually of the owner, Bill Mitchell, that, you know, if for like field trials or something, if a dog doesn't work out, you know, typically they're going to be hunters and they're yeah. going to, and, and we have a 90% of them have worked out for us and in, uh, some are flushers, some are pointers and in, uh, so that's, that's kind of our group of dogs. Yeah. We worked with uh, Bristol and Zim today. Um, and Zim, that, that, that dog has some wheels, man. Um, it gets out there and gets after those birds, which is cool. It's, I love watching GSP to work. Um, you know, Bristol did a great job retrieving and, and also kicking some birds up. So. Yeah. Yep. Now, Tabor is retired now. Is that right? Uh, he uses a short half a day dog. Okay. That was the, that's a German short hair pointer. How long has Tabor been running with you guys? 12 years. 12 years, man. And, um, I've hunted over him a couple of years and that, that dog is amazing, man. So I, I'm sure you guys are bummed about him getting older, but we all we all yes, get he so. he is by far the most amazing dog that we have, and we're hoping that some of them you know that are coming up. Zim, I mean Zim's just got a lot of energy because yep. Zim's young, but um, I don't know that anybody can actually replace Tabor, but we're hoping that somebody you know can get close and and just keep working the dogs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. No, Zim killed a skunk today, so the skunk did spray him. But, oh, um, great news. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> um, no, no one wanted to ride with him this afternoon, so I took the one for the bullet, but um, he killed that skunk. I mean, I, I was pretty impressed, so, um, but uh, yeah, we were trying to get him off it, but the skunk did not make it, oh. so. That's, they typically, if there's a coon or something like that, they will not, uh, they they will take him down before they let him go, so. Well, this should be very good smelling out there. Good thing I cleaned the dog <laughs> kennels say, today. I'm <laughs> dog kennels. So, um, but so talk about pheasant hunting. You guys do a lot of that, obviously. Um, if someone called you and said, "Hey, you know, Jake, Shelly, I'm going to come up there and pheasant. I've never pheasant hunted before. They know how to shoot. What are some tips you're going to give them? What's your kind of your spiel you give the guys like that? Uh, mostly, we just start with safety. Okay. Opportunity is going to be there, so safety is the biggest thing. Yep. Yeah, make bye. yourself comfortable and don't make anyone else uncomfortable and and uh, just let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, you guys definitely have the bird numbers for that for sure. So um, what kind of gear do you guys suggest people get? Uh, not brands, just, you know, what do you tell – What generally what a guy needs to pheasant hunt? Just broke-in hunting boots. Don't bring anything brand new with the tags on it because you're going to be out of it by the end of the first walk. Yep. Yeah. Light pair of gloves and blaze orange and layers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Last year, I brought some guys up here from Alabama, and the first field we walked, they put on like the Sitka, like a bibs and like, you know, these giant jacks and stuff. I'm like, man, you'll be out of that in about five minutes. And I was correct. And yes. I just, um, <laughs> you know, I always tell guys, get out of the car a little cold and you'll be, you'll be good to go. So, um, no, that's awesome. So, what typically, uh, I know like safety is a big issue. I've seen a lot of guys, um, 
shoot low flushing birds. They forget their dogs out there, shoot birds on the ground. What are some stuff like you've seen guys forget or just like if, if you had to give, Hey, I know not a lot of, not a lot of people remember this, but do this thing. And that's kind of an open-ended question, but just the guys get tired, quick, tired, fast, start dragging their guns, put it down, walking with it straight forward and dragging it through the grass or mm-hmm. carrying it off to the side, pointing across the line or just tired. People yep. get tired and lazy and, and, uh, you just start to forget about that stuff and you just want to make the end of the field, the end of the walk, the end of this and you, everything else. Otherwise people that have one bird flush and don't get their safety off in time to shoot it. And then all of a sudden the next bird's like, I had my safety off the whole walk that time I was ready. And then you, those two things are the big ones. Yeah. Or unloading your gun in a group of people at the vehicle or mm-hmm. all the stuff you're taught not to do. Yep. Yep. No, that's, that's true. And, um, you, yesterday we pulled up to a spot and we had some guys on a tailgate and one of them jumped off. He threw a shell in the chamber and shot a bird that was flushing before like any of us got out of the car. I, I was really impressed, but, um, you don't, you don't usually see that, but no, that's a good point. Uh, safety, you know, and that's a lot of guys that brought up here this year. Safety's not been an issue, you know, which is really a blessing. Um, but I, I always try to reiterate that every day. You know, we talk about that, not, like I said, we have dogs, so you don't shoot birds on the ground. You know, um, if the bird's flushing low, hey, there's blockers, like watch for blaze orange and mm-hmm. stuff like that for sure. But so one thing I love about uh, your guys' farm up here is the habitat you guys have here on the ground. So um, you guys farm it for pheasant hunting. Is that correct? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. There's there's agricultural feeders that are out to tenants or whatever, but yeah, the the guy that owns it or whatever, that's his passion. So where everyone else is tearing it out, he's putting it back in. And whether it matter if he makes a matter or not, everyone's taking out dead trees. And when he takes them out, he replants them or tears out a fence line that's full of rocks or cutting mm-hmm. up dogs or something like that. And spends two, three weeks getting everything cleaned up. And then it goes right back into food plots or trees or anything that to help. Yeah. Because everyone else nowadays is fence line to fence line, ditch to ditch, and it's just black. And yep. it doesn't take much to make a lot of difference. Yep. Uh, no, I, I noticed a lot of it, you guys still cut corn, you still have milo and everything, but you have those shelter belts, you know, with, with the cedars run through the middle. And then you got, you know, a couple rows of corn, a couple rows of milo on the outside, you know? And so I, that's so critical having that shelter and the food for those birds to stay in. And, um, you're absolutely right. You know, we're right butted up against North Dakota, looking across that state line, just, you know, black fields, you know, everyone's snow and there's just nothing out there. And, um, Nothing for the birds to stay in or the deer to stay in. So for sure you guys do a great job with that. Um, now, like you said, for out-of-state rifle hunter or out-of-state deer hunter, you can't get a rifle tag here on this no. side of South Dakota, no. right? No. A muzzleloader or no? Every, everything's available, but you have to wait till after the fifth draw, I believe, okay. out-of-state. And by then it's antlerless. So, I mean, in the past there have been muzzleloader and rifle hunters out-of-state, but it's, it's just for does. Gotcha. Okay. So pretty much if you want to kill a buck up here, it's got to be a bow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. In this side of South Dakota. Gotcha. And so how big a deer are you guys killing? Uh, we've killed whatever. We've had a lot of hunters that has been their first hunter. So we've shot the small ones too. We don't put a size limit on. As long mm-hmm. as a hunter's happy, that's fine with us. We don't go out there to critique you on yeah. what you're happy with. But we've killed all the way up to 180s. Okay. Rifle and bow. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's your biggest deer, Jake? Uh, 170. I've got okay. a few of them. 170. 160 with the bow. Gotcha. That's that's an accomplishment. Tell a story about that deer. The first year I was up here uh, with the guys from Pheasants Forever. Remember that deer you shot with your bow that was bedded down in that tree line? Yeah. Well, we were wet, frozen, and cold. <laughs> it started big silver dollar snowflakes, and they were wet. And 
And uh, we got to in the field and everyone said, oh, this is enough. Go get the cars. We're done. And one guy was so cold, he just kept walking and he come back. And, oh, it's the biggest deer I've ever seen. <laughs> I said, oh, when my truck gets here, I got my bow. I said, you guys go warm up. I'll let you know how big he was. And it worked out, I guess. I don't yeah. know. It was not the biggest deer, but it was good enough. I was going to say. <laughs> it was a fun story. The story's worth it. So Yeah, we got back to the lodge and Shelby was like, Jake yes. texted me and said something about deer. I don't know. And. They went back and got you, and, and you'd gotten it. So with your bow, no, that was, um, I thought that was pretty cool. And we walked that tree line today. So. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the stories. And you didn't kick out a, you didn't kick out a big one. Deer. No, oh, gee, because no. so. he hasn't got his yet this year. Oh man, oh man. Well, I know a great place for you to go. <laughs> but um, well, that's cool. So um, yeah, because I remember last year when we came up, uh, Lena just shot a big deer, um, and he had one of the heads in the freezer out there and i mean it's you know i'm from kansas so i've seen big deer um but there's a lot of big deer. oh see is it mounted right there yeah. oh man How, what did that score did you guys score? right at 170 170 okay yeah i remember he he was playing it real cool when he came in um because like i said some of my buddies from alabama and, and they don't have you know big deer down there and he's like oh yeah it was, it was a little five by five you know and the the back straps on that were probably twice as long as any back strap they've ever seen man and um no, that, that was cool, and I love seeing that up here, you know, and we kicked up a couple of does today um, out pheasant hunting, and um, it, even the does are big up here, you know. I guess they have to be. Yeah. Know? Corn fed. Yep. We don't have a lot of the big frames or what you see in the southern states, but we have a lot of character and a lot of mass. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the waterfowl, like, so do you guys shoot up much waterfowl, or? We had 10 hunters this year across three groups. Okay, so and not a ton. Not a ton. That's as much work as it is. It's not our specialty, but mm-hmm. it's tough on tough on the guides that extra yeah. few hours. But it's still fun to do when you're doing it. Just, mm-hmm. How do you guys do it? Field hunt or we did a lot of water this year just because the crops weren't out. It was earlier in the year when we had them, and that's what we had available on our property. But the guys aren't standing in waders or anything like that. We're on the edge of the water, and then we do the the bulk of the work or whatever. But Gotcha. The first group got their limit every day. The second group limited out every day. And the third group, after it froze and then we just started to open up, they, it was a little bit tougher. But they ended up with, I think we got 17 giant honkers and then still got 22 ducks. So yeah, that's that's not uh, bad. Not bad for four days. No, it's not mm-hmm. bad at all, man. So um, you guys do a lot. So let's talk a little bit. How how would someone find Heckler Dakota Honey Farms or Runes Roost? Or Runes Roost? How would someone find out about you guys or contact you guys? Uh well, typically, we both uh, there's a Facebook page for mm-hmm. both of them, and there's websites for both of them. Yep. Um, so you can, I mean, if you just search Heckler Dakota Hunting Farms or Renz's Roost, you know, they should pull up, and then you can check out our, our websites and pictures and and all that kind of stuffs on there, yeah. and um, contact information's on there. And um, my only thing I would say is. Um, like if you're interested in like a 2021 hunt, you know, mm-hmm. kind of think about it. Spring, a lot of people wait till late summer or uh, late summer, early fall even. Mm-hmm. And this past year it was, um, especially for lodging and that type of stuff for the roost was, um, it booked up fast. Yep. So, um, with our 2020 COVID issues, um, the lodge, um, was a little bit slower, but, we're feeling that 2021 is going to probably book up quite fast. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so basically just look up on our uh, web pages and Facebook pages. We've got one of each. And, and then, of course, Daniel. 
That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll push as many people as possible, man. Um, I love coming up here. I love you guys. Are very hospitable, and it's it's great habitat. It's great hunting. Um, great place to stay. Man. You know, I can't thank highly enough of you guys. And um, you guys also partner quite a bit with Pheasants Forever. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. We they um, in fact they were here just a couple weeks ago, and they did um, their partners um, hunt where you know. We had guys from Polaris and Federal and, you know, that they, they all come up. A different guy from Pheasants Forever books it each year and, and uh, weather pending, they usually make it up. So, um, yeah, we're very passionate about Pheasants Forever, mm-hmm. Jake and I especially, and, and, and Bill is also the owner of Heckler-Dakota Hunting Farms. So um, we are big backers of theirs and uh, really think that they're – goals and what they um you know what they strive for yeah. we agree with them a hundred percent so yeah well i mean i think it you're doing the right thing where i mean this is your business you know our, mm-hmm. our majority of your guys business um you know shooting birds and so you're supporting those organizations that help support that yeah you know build habitat in for so um you guys don't just guide for birds all day long or all year long um what do you guys do for a living i guess a real job would be the best way to ask that <laughs> No, I'm a contractor. We own our own construction business, so we do everything from remodels to new construction to pole buildings. Gotcha. Okay. All aspects from the ground up. Got to be kind of versatile in this in this area, anyway. Yep. Yeah, and so you guys travel. You travel quite a bit in the area. Uh, within work, 100 right? miles, probably okay. as far as we ever go. Typically within 50, 60 miles. But gotcha. Okay. I know there's a couple of buildings here in town you built, right? Uh, your your building, Bill's building, the root the roost, and yep, yep. We put up a lot of pole buildings five, six, seven years ago. They were there was a big market for that, and uh, so that was kind of our specialty. Now we're mm-hmm. more in the remodels or whatever. You just adapt to yep. what the clients want, keep the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. And so you're from Hecla, right, Jake? Yeah, born and raised. Okay, how long have you been hunting? Probably since you were born. Yeah, I've been working here since I was old enough to hunt, so since I was 12. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So, and what about you, Shell? You're from Minnesota? I'm right? from northern Minnesota, north of Duluth, and I have been out in South Dakota now. This is my sixth season out here. And you hate the Vikings, right? I love the Vikings. <laughs> oh, I, I think that, right? it's I think it's the Packers that I dislike a lot. <laughs> But I was born and raised in Minnesota, so it's my birth curse to love the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're an okay team, so. Well, they won this last week. Barely. Hey, <laughs> you know, I'm a Chiefs fan, so my most of my life I've been happy that we won. Something, you know. Yep. So we're very blessed right now. Um, but um, you like to fish a little bit, don't you, Shelly? I love to fish. That's my passion is fishing. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Now, I heard you told me last year you were going ice fishing. And I think the guide that was taking you, how cold was it that day? He didn't want to take you out or tell us. Yeah, it was two years, two years ago, actually. Last year wasn't really that bad, but two years ago, it was 30 below. That was the temperature was 30 below. And he had text Jake and he's like, are you sure you guys want to go? It's going to be cold. And Jake asked me, he's like, you want to go? I'm like, that's what we're here for. Absolutely. (laughs) We want to go. So he's like, all right, I'll take you if you want to go, but it's going to be cold. Didn't hesitate, and we didn't. We amazing because I love northern. 50 below with the wind chill. Yeah, we're fifty Ooh. below with the wind chill, but yeah, that's real cold. It is, but we had a little papa, and it wasn't like a big ice castle or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's a, actually a, literally a pop up 
ice house with a little heater in there and mm-hmm. it was plenty warm. It was yeah. plenty warm. You, you know, adrenaline gets flowing when you are starting to catch fish and I like catching Northern. Most people like walleye. I love Northern. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. Any, any day of fishing is amazing. Yep. Whether it's yep. 50 below or 90, 90 above. Yep. Yeah. If it's nice blue skies or if it's 50 below yeah. you know, on ice, that's, <laughs> that's wild. How were you fishing for those Northerns? Through the ice, I assume. Yeah, yeah through the ice with a pole. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> that, that's, that's a good way to catch them, I guess. Yeah. So, um, cool. Well, hey, so this morning, or I guess every morning here at 6 a.m., a siren goes off in Hecla. What, seven. Yes. Seven. seven. Okay, what's that about? It's been like that as long as I can remember. I don't and know. Seven, seven, noon, six at night, and ten at night. Okay, and where is this, where is this siren located? Just a couple blocks. Evidently, you can hear it, hear it from the roost. We can. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. It didn't wake me up, but a couple of other guys were like, "What is this this thing going off?" And said, then you get I, the church bells too. They're just a block from where you're staying. Yeah, so you can hear them. But yeah, it's right off of Main Street there. That's where that siren just goes. I know uh, it used to be back kind of industrial towns. They would do it, you know, at segmented times, so everyone knew what time it was before you had you know cell phones and watches. But um, I was just curious about that. It's but, never, it's right it never stopped. Only, right by the only industrial place this town's ever had. So maybe that's what brought it on, and mm-hmm. the locals never wanted to get rid of it. I don't know, but yeah. I just had, and there had to be a story or something behind that. So but. you'd have to dig deeper than us. Okay, actually, man, I, <laughs> if it was me and, and it woke me up, like it, I'd have to go up, like climb up there and turn it off or something. Man, I, I don't know. They I, shut it off, and every old person in town made a protest to turn it. Oh, off. really? Yes. Oh, yes. that's funny. Man. One of our dogs actually, like in the summer, if we have the windows open, he will start howling at it. So he's. <laughs> Gets off his bed and he sits up and he starts howling. So you're not going back to bed when he does that because no, it's like, no. yeah, it's horrible. And then, I mean, it, like four times over, it's like, okay, I guess we're going to get up now. So <laughs> it gets you out of bed at least and gets you moving. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that, that's funny. So, um, well, thank you so much for taking some time with me tonight, guys. And uh, thanks for we You got a tour of the 12 Gauge Lodge tonight, got to see some deer and so it was off. So um, thank you so much. And uh, any Absolutely. final thoughts or Come see you guys and hunt some. Yeah. South Dakota's wide open. Just yep. come enjoy it. That's that's right. Your governor's doing a great job. So getting people out here and um I think if you yeah. book if you book by March, right? Yes, by the end of March. Okay. That's a special that we've been running a couple years now um at Heckler Dakota Hunting Farms and it has worked well. So if you book five hunters on a fully catered hunt. We're good. Sorry about that. You get the sixth one free. So um, that's a great savings. And you just have to have your deposit in by March 31st of 2021 for that. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can like do that two times over. So if you, you know, book 10, you get two free. So bring a big group and save some money. Absolutely. And kill a lot of pheasants, man. And lots of pheasants. Yeah. So, well, that, that's one thing that uh, the guys were really excited about. Some of them had never hunted South Dakota before, hunted a little bit of pheasants. And the first field we walked, you know, we were, as a lot of cover. So we didn't see a lot of birds on the first push. And then, like, you kind of turn around and we, you know, we saw at one point, like, 80 birds, 90 birds come out of one little area. And they're like, oh, okay. Here we uh, are. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you guys got to trust me that we got to move these birds around a little bit before we shoot them. But, I mean, your, uh, your shirt you're wearing here, Jake, this is less COVID, more hunting. And as a picture of South Dakota, yeah, this is how we do social. That's good, man. I, I like that. Man. That's actually so, the Christy Nolan's ca- campaign. Oh, that she, what she's got. We ordered them actually from her campaign. So that's cool. 
Yeah, that is cool, man. I, I hope you guys like her and what she's doing for the state. So. She is. She has done an amazing job and support her one hundred percent, and hope she keeps up and keeps her backbone and yeah. doesn't like cave to. Our opinion is, you know, like we didn't shut down. We're, you know, hopefully like everybody's being smart as they can. Yep. But we didn't shut down. Our numbers, great, granted, are up, but the the states that have shut down, their numbers are up too. So yeah. something's not matching, and and what she's doing, uh, we we agree, is a great job. And I don't we know. had no hunting season if we'd have been shut down. I'm sure all the yep. lodges in neighboring states were shut down, and yep. any place where you had to have a certain number of people or gathering or travel or whatever yep. we didn't have to fight those issues it was our our discretion we did temperature checks and hand sanitizer mm-hmm. and did it once a day and yeah everyone was safe and that's that's good you know and um you look at see what happened with canada you know the fishing hunt got shut down up there and you know in other states and you know not to get like political or anything but it's you know when, when those states are the shutdowns like i said numbers are still high and it's killing the economy you know and you almost wonder at some point it's how many businesses are going to fail or things, you know, financially get ruined for no reason, Yes, you know, um, and the pheasant hunting is so big, you know, for yes. the state of South Dakota, New Lolo and you guys. So, yeah, not- we actually had, um, we met a guy from Canada who does, he owns a lodge up there mm-hmm. and for hunting and it was bear and waterfall of some sort right mostly waterfall i think he did yeah. some of the other ones on the side but. and he had clients lined up well he actually i mean so he called us and he went to flatland flyaways and also here for pheasant and um brought some of his clients that were in the states yep. here to hunt and i mean we got to visit with him and and he said if if they don't open up canada by probably March, he's probably going to lose his business, and he has had the most lucrative business for many years. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I don't, I don't know that I'll be able to keep it running." And yeah. you know, which is sad, to, sad to see, sad yeah. to see. You know, give him a chance. You yeah. know, open up and give him a chance, yeah. and let people make their own decisions. That's to right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's personal responsibility. Yes, it know, is. It is. And, yeah. You know, the good thing about pheasant hunting is you're going to stay more than six feet apart. You know, yes, you do. You know, you can all drive different vehicles, you can all stay in different rooms. I mean, you can, whatever your comfortable call is, yeah, whatever Mm -hmm. you're comfortable with. Yeah, you need to be outdoors to, you know, you need that sunshine and and just the outdoors to Mm -hmm. be able to be happy. And, yep, no, no, absolutely. And it's been a weird year. You know, 2020 to has, say been, the least. has been odd, <laughs> um, to say the least. But hopefully next year is better. And I hope your guys' lodge is full next year, man. I really do. So Thank you. Um, like I said, thanks for letting me come up here. And thanks for talking to me tonight. All right. So, Thank you. Glad to have you. Awesome. Thank you, All guys. All right. Yep. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did recording it. And uh, I hope that you one day get to join me at Heckler Dakota Hunting Farms. It's a great place. And Bruce is also a great guy, Trophy Ridge Outfitters. So if you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family and review it on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes. Both those things just help me grow and help me reach more people. Also, if you can like and follow us on Facebook, that'd be really cool. It's Hunt Fish Eat Podcast. On Instagram, we're Hunt Fish Eat Podcast. And please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. If you can subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. Also, if you want to support the show and if you want to get an opportunity to go on hunts with me, like all these awesome people did, 
here at Hecla, make sure you go to patreon.com slash huntfishheat. You can jump on and support the show, and it's at certain levels, you can go on hunts with me. You can have wild game dinners with me, all sorts of cool stuff. So make sure you check that out, patreon slash huntfishheat. Also, check out my sponsors, Walton's Inc. That's waltonsinc.com, clayshootingapparel.com, awesome companies. Make sure you go to trophyridgeoutfittersllc.com. That is Bruce's uh, outfitting company. They do a great job, ton of guides, they have tons of experience, and you'll have a great time. I'm actually going out to Colorado in a couple weeks to spend uh, some time with Bruce, and you get to hear all about that. So Trophy Ridge Outfitters LLC, Hecla Dakota Hunting Farms. If you're looking for a great place to hunt in South Dakota, you can't find a better one. Jake and Shelly do a great job. Also, Wren's Roost. That's R-U-E-N-Z-R-O-O-S-T. Roost.com. They do a fantastic job, a beautiful place to stay, and they guide for all sorts of things from waterfowl to giant deer pheasants and a bunch of other stuff so make sure you go check them out i hope you enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you later